This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. With less than a week to go before the election, the liberals and conservatives are neck and neck. According to the Stars poll tracker, the conservatives are slightly ahead with 32.7% versus 30.7% for the liberals. CBC's tracker has the liberals slightly ahead with 31.9% versus 31.3%. This as the tone of the leader's campaign has turned increasingly nasty and personal, as you heard in Gavin's News. Another notable development, the People's Party of Canada seems to be surging with polls showing them with around 6 or 7% support. Now, according to these numbers, or at least the spin on them, no one would get a majority government and the Liberals would win, but with a smaller minority than they had when Parliament was dissolved. So what to make of all of that? And I want to know from you, have you changed your mind about anything? What are you thinking? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And right now, I'd like to welcome John Capobianco, Senior Vice President and Senior Partner, Fleischman Hillard High Road, Karen Stintz, CEO of Variety Village, and Charles Sousa, the former Minister of Finance for Ontario, uh, Liberal Minister of Finance for Ontario, Welcome, and and great to chat with you. It's been a while for me. (laughs) Welcome back, Libby. Good to have you back. Thank you so much. Good to hear you again, Libby. Thanks. Hi, hi, Libby. Hi. So let us begin uh, with Karen. I mean, these numbers are very close. The consensus is that the Liberals' vote is more efficient. Um, What do you make of them? Yeah, that's what the polling says. And as, you know, John as always pointed out, polls are a, you know, a moment in time. But as the election gets closer, then, you know, there's always that period where uh, the momentum is now where it is and people are locked into their, their vote. And, and I'm not sure how much more room there is for people to shift and move. And, but it, it is interesting in that, the, the, you know, the, un, the unofficial polls of, you know, water cooler chats and being at the hairdresser and being at the dog park, um, you know, the sense that, they, the Liberals have lost their way a little bit, and that people are talking uh, about voting in alternative to how they may have voted in the past. And, and, and that, that, for me, is, it, is, it is interesting to hear whether they actually do that at the polls is yet to be seen. But, but there is a dissatisfaction, I think, uh, with, with the call of the election, uh, with some of the decisions that the government has made. And... Um, you know, this is just, a, it's, I think, a more difficult election for Justin Trudeau than he anticipated. Hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, he has said that he doesn't regret calling the election, but I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if that's true. And uh, Charles Souza, here's a question that I posed to people yesterday. Is the election uh, about Justin Trudeau as the ballot question, or is it about the policies of each of the parties? Yeah, and the most, you know, most people we talk to, they talk about personalities, talk about individuals' uh, uh, traits, and the, the campaign is, is very much around Trudeau and very much around O'Toole now to try to project him as being somebody that is not your typical uh, conservative extremist who seems to be almost touching the issues of the People's Party, right? So they're all trying to get to the middle ground. They're all trying to be a bit more moderate. Yeah, and initially people were, it was irritant. I mean, calling the election was an irritant. People were disappointed. But now, as things are getting really close, people are angry. Because they're angry at some of the pushback that's being made in regards to some of these very personal attacks and these anti-vax movements that are creating a lot of havoc and, and distress with the healthcare system and healthcare frontliners, right? So this is actually helping Trudeau to that extent. 
Mm-hmm. John, uh, what do you think? How is Aaron O'Toole do, doing? And he he launched. He was pretty. That's a pretty personal attack saying, you know, we all know people like Justin Trudeau. He's only out for himself. Uh, he's a rich boy while, while I was doing search and rescue missions. Well, and I think that's that's compare and contrast, right? That's the, the, the art of, of politics is to be able to sort of compare and contrast who you are and who your opponent is. And I think that we, we've got to remember when, when Justin Trudeau called this election some four weeks ago, which seems like yesterday, quite frankly, to some of us, but, um, you know, he was 15 points, 10 points ahead, and everybody was talking to a majority. We're now in, and you mentioned a couple of poll results, uh, maybe we're now within a margin of error, which means that this is now a game of inches uh, from now until Monday, uh, which means that all bets are off, and, and you're going to see uh, candidates going back and forth, as you have. And, and quite frankly, you know what? I, I don't mind Aaron doing what he did. I thought that showed... Uh, some level of, of leadership. I think it showed that, you know, he was getting continually uh, hit by, by Justin Trudeau on a regular basis about how he was part of the anti-vaxxers when he clearly wasn't, when he was all about a, 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 a abortion when he clearly wasn't. There was things that Justin Trudeau has said about Aaron O'Toole that the media just wouldn't pick up on. Despite, despite Aaron O'Toole coming back saying, I'm a pro-choice candidate, I'm a, I'm a vaxxer, I believe in vaccinations, I, I publicized my vaccines when I did it. And every time Trudeau made those comments about Aaron, do you think the media would ever question Trudeau and say, well, why are you calling him that? Because he's not that way. So you know what? It's, it's now a game of inches. We're now to the final stretch. It's, it's within a margin of error. Um, but I do feel that the, the ballot question still isn't out there. Uh, there's, there are pollsters who are asking questions about what, what really gets you angry about this. And no one's been able to congeal around any single issue, which I think is going to be a problem because this election campaign has politicized vaccine, the debate about vaccines and not vaccines. So we're seeing these protesters largely because this, this campaign has created that politicization of that issue. And I think that's going to hurt the Liberals. And I, and I agree with Karen, the water cooler kind of discussion that we're hearing and that I'm hearing on the street and in my condo building where people are saying to me, John, I voted Liberal. I am not voting Liberal this time around. Whether that's going to turn into conservative votes is yet to be seen. But I do think something's going to happen on Election Day that's going to surprise a lot of us. Uh, you know, I, I have to just take uh, issue with, with one of the things you've said, John, and I want to throw this out to Charles. Uh, so... Uh, on the vaccine issue, uh, I think the protesters are out there because we have vaccine passports that are going to be coming into effect and we have some more or less mandatory vaccination policies. And yesterday I was finally able, I talked to Aaron O'Toole and I have to say I thought he came across very well, but I was finally able to nail him down. I said, the the federal the liberal government right before they called the election introduced a mandatory vaccine policy for federally regulated workers and for travelers would you reverse it and the answer seems to be yes he would reverse it if he were elected charles yeah and he's also being questioned about his own um, caucus and his own team are you guys getting vaccinated now he of course says he is and he, to, and to John's point, and I agree, I mean, Aaron O'Toole is much more centered, he's more progressive in, in many ways, but is the party in that same vein? And that's the challenge that we have with O'Toole, is can he really come across and support the things he says and do what he says he's going to do? Because he's obviously not. And to your point, he, he will reverse those measures, at least he says he will. He's, he's, he's also made, um, he's also made, contradictory remarks around the gun control issues, the telecom issues, uh, uh, the issues around child care. There's a number of things, and health care. So these are the questions that are being made. It's not about his personality or, or the man who he is, but the policies and the party that he belongs to, and can they really achieve the things that Canadians want in the center? No, uh, and Karen, to your point, I, I, that's, that, that's a question that people have. Well, tool. Karen, the one thing that, that I would say to that is that... Uh, if he gets power and if he uh, does a centralized uh, centralizes power like a, to half of the extent of Justin Trudeau, he'll put in whatever he wants. <laughs> I mean, if, if he has a majority government, if he has a minority, then, you know, there's a bit. No, of, I mean, uh, with his caucus, with his caucus. Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How do you, how do you see him? I mean, uh, and um 
John was hinting at we might get a big surprise. Uh, well, and we might not even get the result on Election Day, but we might get a big surprise. You know, that's happened before. I'm wondering if, if that's what is going to be the case. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if we're surprised. That sounds silly to say, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I certainly think this is an election to watch. And even though the polls are are taking place daily and it shows them neck and neck, I, I still I still think that the polls aren't actually fully depicting what people are thinking and feeling. And you know, I, I think it, uh, it's also difficult for the liberals that. Jody Wilson uh, Raybould has come out with her book and said that basically Justin Trudeau wanted her to lie. And also the premier of Quebec has come out in favor of voting for conservatives. And so, you know, these, these, these landmines continue to blow up in front of Justin Trudeau. And I think it is interesting that, you know, absent a ballot question that's defined, it actually will become about Justin Trudeau because he is the, he is, he's moved from being the leader of the liberals to the liberal brand itself. And he's so intertwined with the liberal brand that I, I don't. I, I actually don't think that people will be casting votes for candidates or the liberal party. They'll be voting for Justin Trudeau, or not. Or not, yeah. And uh, John, I mean, it it seems to me that uh, you know the, the one of the pieces of conventional wisdom when this started was, yeah, people are really unhappy that the election was called, but they'll get over it. I don't think they have. No, I don't think they have either. I think a lot of people, or I should say a certain segment of, of Canadians have resigned to the fact that, you know, elections on, yeah, I didn't want it to be on, so let's just let's make the best of it. But I also think, too, Libby, that as we're starting to see and, and hear anecdotally about, you know, polling stations being reduced, in some cases by, by 80%, you know, where some ridings would have, you know, normally pre-pandemic uh, polling stations in the tune of 100 or so stations or even more, some have seen them reduced to 15 or 20. And I think that that, you know, there was there was no surprise that a lot of the advanced polling stations, certainly in my riding here at Tobago Lakeshore, I was driving around the riding uh, the other uh, the other day, and, and I was there were lineups around the bend on, on some of these advanced polling stations because I think people are either either you know, and that's usually a good sign for government change, quite frankly, but it could also be the fact that people just wanted to just get the vote out of the way because they were so frustrated with it uh, that they just wanted to get it done and not have to worry about it for the next week or so. But, you know, I'm also thinking that the, the Elections Canada predicted a huge amount of mail-in ballots, uh, where I think the latest is only about 800,000 or so have been requested, which is far, far below what they had estimated. So it's going to be interesting to see how many people are actually going to vote, how many people are going to vote on Election Day, and what this big turnout at advanced poll means, which is why I think that there might be a surprise on Election Day, or to your point, maybe a week after election when, when some of the mail-in ballots get, uh, get counted, because that could be a difference between some writings winning or losing. And uh, people, a program note on that towards the end of the show, I will be talking to Elections Canada about where we're at on all of those issues. Today's the last day to request a mail-in ballot. We'll try to figure out how many of them are actually going to be cast and uh, the, the advance polls closed last night. We'll try to get a fix on all of that. So people stay tuned if you want more information about how to vote. Um let me take a couple of calls. Pat in Toronto. Hello, Pat. Good day. Um, you know, one of the things that hit me uh, watching a lot of CNN is the aspect that in the U.S., 18% of the population can basically control the U.S. Senate. And if you remember in the last election, one of the things that Trudeau was talking about was having this, what do, I can't remember the terminology. Electoral reform. Say, Sorry? Electoral reform. Electoral reform, but it was sort of that all your votes would count, uh, whereas some of us are in a riding where we're wasting our vote uh, because it will be a clear majority for one or the other. Um, I think that's very important to get back to that idea because this you know, ties in with the thing we all learned in high school of rep by pop, representation by the population, and we really don't have it today with the way the system is working. Okay, well, yeah, I'm going to throw, thanks, Pat, for your call, uh, throw that back to the panel. That's one of the sources of disappointment because Trudeau did promise electoral reform, though uh, I have lived in a place that had proportional representation. And believe me, there are problems with that as well, although there are hybrid things. Uh, is, is that an important 
thing, Charles Souza? Well, I mean, the first past the post system that we have, which allows for minority uh, individuals, minority those that receive minority votes to win, it happened in my riding too. Um, and uh, we talk about that every time. But the moment they're in power, and they're in power because of first past the post systems, they don't want to lose it. So the reform doesn't happen. He has made some Senate reform, though. He has put a, a number of other items before the House to try to minimize um, the partisan aspects of it. Um, but, yeah, I, Pat, I mean, there's a number of issues in, in, in the U.S. and here, even here where certain ridings are protected and they don't change the makeup of the ridings to continue to have uh, the support of, say, a conservative government in, in some communities. Uh, and the merry ending that takes place avoids us having a real competition, unfortunately. And, which, and what ends up happening is what's going to happen in this election. It's those sea-rich areas like the 905 are going to be a deciding factor about who gets the minority government, because it's not going to be majority. Okay, yeah, I, I, I think that's one of the things that's clearly emerging. I don't think Canadians want any party to have a majority uh, uh, government. So uh, I want to get to an issue that, that sort of flummoxed me a bit. And on the campaign trail, conservatives have been saying that the liberals want to tax the sale of a primary residence. Uh, let's hear a clip. Mr. Trudeau, Canadians are worried you're going to be taxing their primary home sale. Your uh, advisors have said it. Untrue. Your candidates have that said is it. It's untrue. on page 14 of his policy book. He's introducing it a is. new tax right. on the it sale is. of homes. Leaders, leaders, there will be more the opportunity class. to speak about these issues. Okay, so there he intimated that. And when we went to uh, look and see, you know, what the heck is he talking about? Uh, in a Paul liberal policy document, they were talking about a tax on people who flip homes, that is selling them before they held them for a year. And I've seen this repeated, this charge that the liberals are going to tax the sale of your primary home and some conservative uh, commentators saying the same thing. Uh, John, what's that about? You know, just hearing that clip gave me uh, chills uh, down my spine because it made me realize how dysfunctional that debate was because <laughs> and how many people really felt that the debate, uh, for those of us who watched it, uh, the system was just so wrong because that was, an, that was a, just proof point right there, Libby, where, where you know, the, the, the leader, the conservative leader made an accusation. Uh, the, the prime minister, the leader of the Liberal Party, Justin Trudeau, was trying to rebut that, but they were cut off before any other debate was happening and they said they were going to get back to it and they never did, of course. So that was an Another thing we can talk about debates on another time, but look, I think that what 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 Aaron O'Toole is saying is that you know when it comes to these issues, when it comes to promises, when it comes to these issues, liberals will say something and they'll do something else. So the the threat of of, of taxes on primary residents is real; it's there. Uh, notwithstanding the fact that when you look at page 14 of the liberal policy document, he talks about flipping houses. But what Aaron is saying that it's not going to take too much long for the government to have to pay some of these back and then and actually start talking about uh, taxing primary residences on on folks. But you know, it was a debate. It was an issue that that, that the leader wanted to put out there, and and the leader of the liberal party didn't have a chance to rebut it. Uh, Charles, I mean, I think that's that's a stretch saying that means that they're going to go for taxing primary residents. No, they're not going to tax primary residents. I mean, that... Because <laughs> that would lose them an the election case, we, for we, sure. We would get taxable benefits on those mortgage costs, right? And they'd offer... That's not what's happening. What's happening is he's taxing investors and he's taxing speculators. And it's not just flipping of homes. It's flipping of paper where they don't even live in the home. It's flipping... It's taxing foreign buyers to enable them to provide for more space for families who want to buy homes in Ontario or in Canada. And uh, it's really a speculation tax that's being provided. And many people own multiple homes, but those that end up buying the primary residence and declaring it as such, but never really living in there, and then putting it in different family names for the purposes of able of getting a tax-free benefit from it, that's fair, but it's only for a year. They're not, basically, they're trying to avoid people abusing the system. Well, but they're not going to tax people's primary residence. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't imagine because I, I, I think that would be a big losing strategy. Oh, and Aaron O'Toole also put something in to stop people from uh, he, he wants to, to put a lid on foreign buyers yes. buying new homes. Yes. I mean, that's pretty restrictive. 
And the Liberals are doing the same. And listen, the province of Ontario implemented similar things. In one of my budgets, I also talked about this at some length. Um, but they're just trying to curb uh, the acceleration of, of primary residents that are taking people out of the market and trying to make things more affordable. It's a real tough thing because the demand ultimately is what, is, what the, is what makes the difference and the lack of supply. So one of the issues that the Liberal Party is putting forward is injecting money to provide for greater supply of homes in the areas affected. Karen, what do you make of this, what appears to be a surge of the People's Party of Canada? Last time they got, you know, one point something percent of the vote and the polls show them now at around seven percent. Yeah, I think that's reflecting the anti-vaccine sentiment in the country and that uh, it's now becoming clearer that those anti-vaxxers are not conservatives, but they're more anti-establishment and they're parking their votes uh, at the People's Party because um, that that platform is very uh, forthcoming in that they they don't believe in vaccines and mandated vaccines and the necessity of vaccines. And so, uh, for you know, for that small fringe group that's not vaccinated, that that's where they're going to place their vote. And you know what? Quite frankly, that's okay. <laughs> that is okay <laughs> because they have to have a place to go, and it's not in any of the mainstream parties. Uh, and uh, the theory is, I mean, we even had a far right group saying, "Don't vote." <clears throat> Excuse me. Don't vote for the PPC because that'll help the liberals. John, what do you think? Well, it does. And, you know, any time there's a there's a splintering to the left or or right, quite frankly, there's always going to be issues. Uh, and that's why you're seeing the liberals trying to you know pull together on the progressives to try to get those NDP votes back to them. Uh, in some ways, and I think that Aaron O'Toole has been really strong about about you know where he stands on, and the PPC is is a repository for those kind of voters who aren't happy with anybody. But there's certainly more of the anti-vaxxer sentiment. I think that the leader Bernie. Uh, um, Maxime Bernier is actually trying to attract that that element of, of the vote because he's talking about tyranny and rebellion and making all these statements that that you know are are part of of some terrorist group uh, uh, announcements and this kind of stuff. So he's attracting that element of the voters, uh, much like we saw in the U.S. in some cases. So, and I think that's where, where that's where he's attracting. But there are people in the PPC, voters in the PPC, who are just genuine, who aren't happy with any of the parties, uh, any of the leaders. Uh, and are, are parking the vote there. It used to be with the Green Party, quite frankly, before Libby, where, you know, the Green Party used to be that repository for those who didn't like the Liberals or the Conservatives or the NDP, uh, but now that they become much more of a legitimate party, now they're finding another party, uh, the PPC, that, that they are putting their vote in when they're not happy with anybody else. And that would be the, I would imagine, a, a, a pretty big chunk of, of those who are supporting the PPC. Uh, Charles, again, back to the vaccine issue. Um, people are accusing the Liberals of, of using it as a wedge issue. They did announce a mandatory vaccination policy right at the beginning of the campaign. And do you think that there are people who will vote sort of yay or nay on mandatory vaccination? Well, certainly the PPC party think, seems to think so. And, uh, and that's just as well. Um, it should be mandatory. We should have the protection measures necessary to get to herd immunity. We should all do our part. And uh, it's not a matter of being denied. You don't have to have the vaccine, but you also don't have the right then to go to certain places where you can expose other people. I think that's the point. And a lot of people that have been vaccinated, a lot of people that are going to get vaccinated, uh, they, they want to do the right thing and they recognize we have to do our part. And frankly, the PPC party are the disenchanted in many ways. And to John's point and Karen, it's, it's okay. Let them go there. Will they hurt the liberal parties? I don't think so. I think this will actually help the liberal party more so than the conservative party to the extent that most of them are more right wing in their viewpoint. And it also hurts the NDP because now people are saying if we, if this happens, and we support the NDP, knowing that the PPC is there in a strong way, they may start to say, you know what, we're going to go back to the Liberal Party just to make sure that we safeguard against these vaccines and ensure that we take the measures necessary to get over the pandemic. Okay, let's take a couple of calls. We've got Sue in St. Catharines. Hello, Sue. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, whether it was the right time for the election or not, now is not the point to worry. I'm a Canadian citizen. I'm, my due right is to vote. But what this has shown me is I didn't trust O'Toole, but I didn't know him. And now I really don't trust him because he contradicts himself so many times, and he relies on mudslinging. 
And I think the vaccination mandatory is mandatory and what they're putting in, because according to the human rights, yes, everybody has rights, but you do not have the right to endanger other people. So we need to have the mandatory. We need to have our certificates. And um, I, I'm totally against um, O'Toole. We do not need a Trump running Canada. We got oh. one in Ontario. We don't need another one. Okay. That's all I have to say. Okay, Sue. Thanks for that. Okay. Um, yeah, I think uh, I, I think uh, a lot of people would not agree with uh, comparing him to Trump, but uh, <laughs> we want your opinion. And we've got Sita in the GTA. Hello, Sita. Hi, everyone. Go ahead. Ah, uh, yeah. We should ignore the poll because this keep changing. Right. Uh, we have to wait for the results. It is okay. Um, people have to ignore the side shows and keep focusing on what we want. Long-term care, health care, housing, less tax, international policy, climate change, indigenous, indigenous rights, etc. I believe that the coalition government will benefit Canada because no one party have everything in one package. Okay, you guys don't fight over this now. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot. Well, we don't really have coalition governments, but we do have minority governments. And in the last minority government, the NDP said, you don't have to call an election. We'll support you. <sighs> we are almost out of time, so I'm going to go around the panel and see what they want to leave us with as we head into the very last few days so, Charles, what do you want to say to the few undecided voters voters out there? Yeah, stick to stick to the policies. I mean, Ida made a good point. Let's see what each party stands for. Do a bit of homework. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are, are being attacked on their personalities, and that's what happens in politics near the end. Um, but people will make the right choices. They always do. And in the end, they may punish people. Ultimately, that's how elections happen. And uh, if they're really upset about having an early election... They'll punish him for it. But then if they realize what that means in the end, they'll go around to supporting the Liberal Party because of the policies that are outlaid. John? I would just say, you know, get out and vote. I think no matter where you stand and no matter what party you believe in and, and leader you uh, you support, I think just getting out and voting would be would be good. I, as much as I didn't like to have this election either, and, and many Canadians didn't either, I think that now that we're in it, um, there has been a good stark contrast of, of uh, leaders and policies. But get out and vote. I'd, I'd love to see the, polling, uh, the voting numbers high uh, at the end of this, uh, as opposed to people who didn't want to vote or Ka- couldn't vote. Karen? Yeah, I, I agree with John, and, and I would say that, you know, the vote that the P, People's Party of Canada is showing, you know, I don't think they're draining those votes away from any of the traditional mainstream parties. I think those are, you know, otherwise disaffected voters that are parking their vote now because they feel they have a place that they can't. And, and I, I think that we will see a higher voter turnout than expected. And I know in Nova Scotia, I believe there was a change in government with low voter turnout. I don't think that's going to be the case for the federal election. I think there will be, there is a lot of interest in this election. People who don't normally talk about politics are engaging in this election. And uh, for whatever reason, um, that they're paying attention. And, and I also agree with Sita that I, I don't think the polls, I don't think we should look at the polls. I, I think the only poll that counts is going to be on election day. Okay, well, and, here, here. and that's coming up before our next session together. And boy, it's not even a sure thing that we'll have a result to talk to, uh, to talk about when we meet again next Tuesday. In the meantime, thank you so much and great talking to you as always. Charles Souza, Karen Stinson, John Capobianco. Thanks, Libby. Thanks so much. Bye, Libby. Bye. Right. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, we will talk about the latest racist Twitter flutter uh, that came from an NDP candidate this time. We'll talk about that when we return. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. There's been another eruption of previously undiscovered, inappropriate racist tweets from a candidate of one of the mainstream parties. This time it's from the NDP. And full disclosure, it's in my riding of St. Paul's, where candidate Sidney Coles apparently invented 
and then spread a conspiracy theory about Israel being responsible for missing COVID-19 vaccines. Now, for instance, she responded to a thread saying, quote, this was uh, back uh, uh, last winter, uh, those vaccines are worth their weight in gold right now, so what are the chances of a side gig grift? That was the thread. And Coles replied, uh, I think Israel might be able to help you solve that mystery. And she replied to another thread about Jared Kushner, who is Jewish, and the missing vaccines is, the vaccines went to Israel. I keep saying this. Now, she's apologized. She's admitted the tweets were not based on any evidence and that she had indulged in a common anti-Semitic trope. Uh, Might I add, an age-old anti-Semitic trope. Uh, though she said that wasn't really her intention. And and here's another head-scratcher about this. Sydney Cole's job, her day job, she is an equity consultant. Now, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh has not repudiated her. He has not responded, though I must say he is very quick to point out racism in other parties. What do you think of all of this? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We reached out to Sydney Coles. She didn't respond. And now I'm joined by Jamie Kersner-Roberts, who's the Director of Policy at the Friends of Simon Wiesenthal Center for Holocaust Studies, and Simon Granite, who is the Senior Manager of Policy and Communications at the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Hi, Libby. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Jamie, uh, you found this. So tell me, how did you happen to find this? Um, A constituent uh, of the writing tagged me um, on, on Twitter on Friday. Uh, I, I, I took a look at Ms. Cole's tweets. Uh, I was very concerned. I immediately, uh, wrote uh, to her uh, on Twitter, um, saying that she had engaged in, uh, uh, anti-Semitic dog whistling, which, um, you know, to be honest, is, was less of a dog whistle and more of a bullhorn. Yeah. Um, so, First thing Sunday morning, we 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 released um, a call for accountability, um, and uh, since then, uh, Miss Coles has uh, she has apologized. Um, although you know her her apology leaves uh, quite a lot to be desired. I think it's fair to say that. Um, she says she did not in- intend to engage in anti-Semitic rhetoric, um, but when one goes out of their way to repeatedly promote a false um, conspiracy theory um, about Israel stealing a global vaccine supply, uh, one does have to wonder what uh, what the intent was. Hmm. Uh, it's interesting. Um, we haven't heard from Jagmeet Singh on this. Uh, there was a, another incident involving a conservative candidate and the conservative party repudiated her. Uh, we, we even had, you know, an incident, you know, the gravel throwing incident against Trudeau. That's not racist, where even the PPC party repudiated their candidate. Uh, but that hasn't happened with Jagmeet Singh. Simon Granite. Well, first of all, I'd like to say that combating anti-Semitism isn't a partisan issue. It's it's so important for all parties uh, to stand firmly against anti-Semitism, uh, not just benefiting Jewish Canadians, but benefiting all Canadians. And it is unfortunate that we haven't uh, heard stronger voices from the NDP uh, condemning anti-Semitism, uh, condemning these remarks, not just here, uh, but on other occasions. Um, and, uh, we just haven't seen the same vigor or determination from the NDP on these, on this issue. You know, the comments, uh, were, uh, dangerous, false, uh, divisive, and, and sadly, conspiracy theories, uh, double standards, uh, blaming Jews, uh, using Israel as a stand-in as the global Jew. These, these comments aren't new and they're dangerous. Uh, it's not lost on me that, that over the past weekend, uh, was also the anniversary of, uh, 9-11. 
Um, and we did see uh, a significant number of anti-Semitic incidents in Toronto. Uh, by my notes, I have five, and they included um, paddling uh, conspiracy theories against Jews. And so we know that, that these incidents and incidents uh, like these aren't about the intent. They're about the impact that they have on our local community, and, uh, and they can be very dangerous. Okay, I'm going to give the numbers out again. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And, and I, I have to admit a sort of distant personal connection to this because actually uh, one of my neighbors sent around an email saying, you know, come by on Sunday that was last Sunday, to meet the NDP candidate. Now, I, I, I wasn't planning to attend, but there was a very abrupt cancellation uh, before her get-together, and I actually didn't think much of it. I, I was, you know, going to something else that was canceled because of weather, or I thought maybe people just weren't interested. And uh, then this turns up, and I was in touch with that person, and, and she kind of said, well, I'm beyond disappointed, by this. Uh, it, it's just, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, when you see it in your own backyard and, and St. Paul's has a large Jewish population, you'd think she might have twigged. Jamie? It, it is really disappointing. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm very disappointed. Um, and I'm, and I am disappointed that we haven't heard more um, from Jagmeet on this. And I am still, you know, looking to him for leadership. You know, the Jewish community right now, you know, is getting increasingly squeezed by extremism on the far right, as well as extremism on the far left, um, which tends to have in common um, a hatred for, for Jews. And, you know, if Jagmeet Singh wants to see what could happen if he lets this go unchecked in his party, he needs to look no further than to United Kingdom. You know, we do not want to see um, this kind of divisive, um, hateful politics um, taking place in our country, not on parties of the right, not on parties of the center, and not on parties of the left. And so um, it is disappointing. Um, Jagmeet has made it a, you know, a pillar of his political career to stand up against hatred and tolerance and discrimination in every, in all forms. Um, and we are hoping that, uh, he will lead, um, on this matter, uh, today. Yeah, it's, um, Simon, I mean, this whole issue about anti-Semitism on the left, you know, on the far right, we know about it. It's pretty overt. Uh, people on the left, again, they, they use Israel as a proxy and, and, um, kind of don't own, own up to it. And, and some people see it as extremely insidious. Well, there's certainly anti-Semitism uh, everywhere. I think one of the things uh, that makes anti-Semitism so so insidious and so dangerous uh, is that it exists on the right, it exists on the left, it exists in the center, it exists in, in places uh, where folks are politically agnostic. And, uh, and it lies dormant in our society to bubble up at, at certain times. And what we're seeing right now is, is dangerous uh, conspiracy theories and and... What I would really say is that uh, I think that it's unbecoming of any candidate uh, to peddle uh, dangerous anti-Semitic tropes or conspiracy theories, whether those are uh, disguised uh, as behind uh, criticism of Israel or whether they're uh, different forms of anti-Semitism. These these things are dangerous and and it's it's unbecoming and. Uh, it's it just it's it just beyond disappointing. Uh, so. How have you reached out to Jagmeet Singh, and are you waiting for a response or a repudiation? So we work uh, regularly with uh, with the parties when things like this come up, and so uh, so I believe our team has been in uh, in communication with uh, uh, to find a, a solution. But we we remain engaged whenever uh, incidents like this happen um, with all the political parties. Jamie. Uh, we, you know, we have also been uh, in communication with our various contacts um, in the party, and uh, we are wait- waiting now for uh, for uh, for Johnny to come through. 
Well, we'll 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 see if he in fact does. Uh, let's take a call from Barry in North York. Hi, Barry. Hi. I'm glad that you are actually talking about this because yesterday I was talking to a friend of mine who is Jewish, and we kind of I don't know if you agree with this or not, but it seems to be kind of an unbalance. Um, Islamophobia gets talked about a lot. Anti-Semitism is not. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think anti-Semitism has been happening a heck of a lot longer than Islamophobia. Um, and I find that, for instance, on the news one time I saw, not just recently, they were saying that a lot of acts against Islam people are increasing. But they didn't mention that from what I got from Nebret, they told me that in May 2021, there were more acts of anti-Semitism than there were the whole year of 2000. Uh, it's true that there's been an increase in anti-Semitic attacks and that uh, Jews are the, the most common targets of hate, hate crimes, but I don't, I don't want to make it a competition. You know, all of this is bad against exactly. every group. You just have to be more considerate, more compassionate, just um, be more loving. My gosh, there's a lot of hate in the world happening. It's just so Yep, bad. there certainly is. Uh it's about time to wrap things up. I want to make the point that that even if uh, Jagmeet Singh repudiates this candidate and, and takes her off as a candidate, she will still be on the ballot. So um, this person is Sydney Coles. She's running for the NDP in St. Paul's. Uh, so what would you like to leave us with, Jamie? You know, we're looking here uh, to live in a country where uh, being racist, being anti-Semitic, that this is off the table in our political process, no matter what political party um, we are we are affiliated with, um, no matter what social movement we are affiliated with, no matter what, uh, you know, what our public commitments are. Um, and we're looking for Canadians to stand with the Jewish community in that regard in, in, in saying that anti-Semitism is unacceptable um, in our public life. And we, we are asking um, all parties and all party leaders to stand with us in, in that as well. Simon, what would you like to leave us with? And combating anti-Semitism isn't, isn't a partisan issue. And, and similarly uh, to Jamie's point, just to, to say that it is incumbent upon all Canadians of good conscience to stand up against anti-Semitism and all forms of hate um, to, uh, to build a, a better uh, Canada and to uh, make sure that, uh, that they have their voices heard. And we continuously need to be vigilant to combat this age-old scourge. Okay, thank you both, Simon Granite and Jamie Kersner Roberts. And once again, uh, the candidate, uh, the author of these tweets uh, is Sidney Coles running for the NDP in St. Paul's. Uh, these are anti-Semitic tropes. Uh, we're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, uh, it's the last day to request a mail-in ballot. We'll be talking to someone from Elections Canada to get the scoop on the how of voting. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, this time around, we don't only have to decide who to vote for. We have to decide how we are going to vote. The advance polls closed last night, and today is the last day to request a mail-in ballot. So it's a good time to check in with the latest on the mechanics of this year's vote. Uh, here are the numbers. If you have some questions, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And now I'm joined by Dougald Maudsley, who is the Regional Media Advisor for the GTA for Elections Canada. Hi, Dougald. Hi, Libby. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm not too bad. We've had a, a busy weekend. But uh, a little bit of a break now before Election Day. Okay, so uh, I, I know you have numbers only going to Friday. So how was the turnout for the advanced polls up to yeah, then? Yeah, it was very good. So we had 1.3 million Canadians voted across the country in advanced polls versus 1.25 in the previous day, that first day of advanced polls in 2019. And on Saturday, though, we don't have the final numbers yet. We know they were higher 
than they were in the previous general election, which was 970,000. Okay, so uh, basically, are you expecting that this time more people voted in the advance polls? It's really super hard to say, but we've had rising numbers since 2011. It was 2.1 million in 2011, 3.7 million in 2015, and 4.8 million in 2019. So the trend certainly is upwards. Yeah, and I, I, this is totally unscientific, but, but yesterday evening after work, I drove by a couple of locations and there were long lineups. Yeah, there certainly were some lineups at some places, and it may well be because a lot of people have chosen to come out and vote. It's hard to say. You never know for sure. And we should have the final numbers kind of mid-afternoon today. Okay, so give us the scoop on the mail-in ballots. Today is the last day to request one, right? That's right. You have till 6 p.m. tonight to um, apply not to apply for, yes, uh, request is another way of putting it, to apply for a mail-in ballot. And uh, you can do that online at Elections Canada. Um, The application process is is relatively simple, and you can get a ballot sent out to you. You could also, if you wanted to, you could go into an Elections Canada office, and you can apply in person and get the ballot handed to you right at the same time. Hmm. Uh, so what is involved in applying? Well, it's actually just a process of going online and uh, putting in the information that you're being asked for. So usually it's your identification um, and you just follow the prompts through the process. So basically, if you're doing it online, you have to have a, a, a little bit of, of a savvy. You, you take a picture of your IDs with your phone and you send it, you upload it, right? Yes, it's true. And so not a straightforward process for some people. Um, my 84-year-old mom would not um, be able to manage it. So it may require you to have some help. Or, you know, again, it's, it's not always the easiest to get to a Elections Canada office. But if you can, then there's a person there that can help you get through the application. You can bring your ID with you, the hard copies, and, uh, and you can go through the process there with some assistance. Okay. Uh, and there's, there's another thing that I uh, didn't know about until a caller on Free For All Friday pointed this out to me, is that when you get a, a mail-in ballot, unlike the ones that you have at the polling station, it doesn't have the name of the candidates written yeah. out. You have to write that in, correct? That's correct. Yes. You, you can see it's on our website. It's a, it's a plain ballot that says, I vote for, and you write in the name of the candidate. <clears throat> Pardon me. You write in the name of the candidate in that blank space, and then that goes into an unmarked envelope, and that goes into another envelope where you write down a declaration that you are who you say you are, and then that goes into the uh, return envelope, which is sent back to Elections Canada. Now, I, I would be worried about some ballots being spoiled, either illegible handwriting or people misspelling the, na- the name of their candidate. What about all that? Yeah, so the key thing is intent. If Elections Canada can understand what you intended, so for example, you maybe spelled the name of the candidate slightly incorrectly, that's not a problem. As long as we understand who you're actually voting for, if it's smudged a little bit, that's not a problem either. As long as we can understand who you, what you intended, then your vote will count. The other question I had, actually, one of my colleagues said that her sister had requested a mail-in ballot and, and the envelope was sealed when she received it and, and she was told, uh, sorry, too bad, you're going to have to vote in person now. Oh, really? Okay. I've never, I haven't heard of that happening, but I guess it's possible. Um, <clears throat> seems odd, but I guess, you know, when these things are manufactured, maybe something like that happens. So, yes, that's unfortunate. Uh, a couple of other questions. I remember at the beginning of all this, people were expecting millions of requests for mail-in ballots. Mm. So far, that hasn't panned out. I think the number so far is 800,000. What can you tell us about no, that? It's just, it's just over a million, almost oh. 11, almost 1.1 million. But you're right, it's, it's definitely less than the 2 to 3 million that Elections Canada was, was anticipating and was preparing for. 
Mm-hmm. And can you extrapolate from that? The other thing, especially those of us who cover elections, you know, we're kind of preparing not to have the result in a timely way. With that number of mail-in ballots, would you expect a delay? Yeah, there could be. The The reality is that those mail-in ballots are broken into three categories. The largest category are local electors who are voting in their own riding by mail. And those ballots have to be accredited first. They have to be looked at to make sure they were sent from someone who is who they say they are. That person didn't vote twice. And that process could take 24 hours. And it doesn't begin until the day after election, the morning after the election. So if there are a lot of mail-in ballots for any one uh, electoral district, they need to be counted. (coughs) Pardon me. And they'll have to be counted, um, especially if those ballots will make a difference um, in the actual outcome of that electoral district. So it's possible that in some places it could be one day, it could be two days before the result in that electoral district is known. Hmm. With a very close race, I, I wonder how that will play out. And here's here, this is might be a little silly question. I've heard it said, you can bring your own pen or pencil, but yeah. do you have to if you don't have one? Will there be any in the polling station? Yeah, there's 18 million pencils okay. out there scattered across the country. So yeah, I went and voted the other day and there's a pencil there waiting for you. Okay. And I'm just reading off a question because we're basically out of time. Uh, So I'm not going to take the caller. He said he was told that he could cast his ballot at any Elections Canada office until the day of. I don't think that's true. No, that's incorrect. You can cast your ballot at an Elections Canada office until 6 p.m. today because you actually have to go in, apply for a special ballot, and then you have to fill that special ballot in. And so you have to do it by 6 p.m. today. Uh, Otherwise, if you've already received a mail-in ballot, you can send that to us, or there's voting on Election Day. Okay, and finally, Dougal, do you have any sense of turnout? We only have a few seconds left. People have said this will be low turnout. No, not really sure. It's always so difficult to say, but, you know, advanced polls look like they've been popular. Um, So it could be that uh, there are lots of people showing up. We do have, you know, a million uh, mail-ins. So that may reduce numbers a little bit, but so hard to say. Okay. Thank you so much, Dougald Maudsley from Elections Canada. Bye-bye. And that is all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.